Welcome to another episode of Living Life with Passion and Purpose, the podcast for the everyday woman doing extraordinary things with her life. Here we chat with women like you and me who are just living their regular normal lives and figure out how do other people do things. Our guest today is Dr. Noma Mafu. She is a mother of three and an nurse practitioner. We discuss the pain and challenges of losing a mother at a young age, the stigma associated with being a divorcee in the church, raising kids as a single co-parent, as well as building a business outside your nine to five job. So whether you're doing the dishes, cleaning the house, doing laundry, or just sitting with your favorite beverage, join us and let's chat. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for coming back to the podcast. Um, For everybody else, we recorded this podcast about maybe a month and a half ago. And (laughs) somehow with, uh, you know, how technically challenged I am, I cannot find it. It got lost or it got deleted. I have no idea what happened. So I am so gracious that my sister agreed to come back and have this talk with me again. (laughs) (laughs) For sure, for sure. Anything for our doctor here. (laughs) Well, let's start by you just telling us a little bit about your background. Where did you grow up and how did you come to America? Okay, so I was born in Zimbabwe in a village somewhere in Cholocho district, which is in the Matabeleland South uh, region. But I basically grew up in Zimbabwe. Uh, I mean, in Bulawayo, which is uh, one of the big cities in Zimbabwe. Uh, And I did my primary school in various school, you know, uh, schools in in Bulawayo. And my high school, I went to Somusi, which is an Adventist Adventist, uh, school, Mm -hmm. as well as college. I did my college there uh, at Somusi, did a bachelor's in accounting. Oh, and then, of course, afterwards, I went to work in Bulawayo for a couple of years. And, and an opportunity to come to the U.S. Uh, came by through a friend, uh, you know, Edmo, Pastor Edmo Mangena. And I came over to the U.S. And I guess life started all over again. I had to go back to school. <laughs> yeah, because you were in accounting. Is that what you always wanted to do, business in accounting? No, it's not what I wanted or what I always wanted to do. It was one of the few co- uh, few uh, degrees that were available at Solusi at the time. So there was either business, either you had to go into business or you had to go into education and become a teacher or, be- or do theology and become a pastor. And I think, or do uh, food science later on, which came later on. But at the time when I started, there was only these three <laughs> disciplines. And so business was like one of the better, you know, co- you know, uh, studies that I, that I, that I, at least I could do. I wasn't really so passionate about the accounting, yeah. but yeah, yeah, it was, it was a better paying one. You know how it is when you're in Zimbabwe, right. you're looking for the fields that will be, uh, pay you better as opposed to just being a teacher or, you know, a nurse out there is not as uh, pay, high paying as much. So then when you came to the state, um, you moved to Michigan? 
Yeah, so when I came to the States, I my first place, I, I actually arrived in Chicago and then I, I lived in Michigan uh, for about, I would say maybe close to two years, you yeah. know. Yes, and then I got married and I moved to California. And you're a mom of three? Yes, I'm a mother of three kids, two girls. My oldest is 17. She's about to be 18 next month, actually. <laughs> um, and I have a 15-year-old uh, girl as well and a nine-year-old boy who's going to be 10 next month also. So you did your um, nursing, got a bachelor's in nursing, ended up getting a master's and got a doctorate. And in that yes. process, you were balancing being a wife, being a mom, and then going through a difficult divorce. So I <laughs> to kind of get your perspective on what was your driving factor to keep going, especially once you already have a good paying job to continue right. on with your doctorate and to do all right. while wearing all these different hats. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, you know, as Africans that come to the United States, most Africans, we come here, we're coming here because we're driven by a need to be able to provide for our families back home. If you're from Africa, you have an extended family, whether you like it or not. Mm -hmm. So you are providing not for not only your family back here, but you're also providing for a whole extended family back home, which includes if you're married, includes your own family, includes the family of your husband. So you find that between two people that are married your income both of you even if you may be in a good paying profession like you know anything in the health science your nurse it is still not enough uh so the driving force really uh, for me to be able to further my education was to be able to be to get a job that will still meet all my needs my extended family's needs but uh without it being so hard you know without it being so difficult and so time consuming and labor intensive as we know you know working the floor as a nurse in the hospital it is it is very very hard it is difficult you know you put in long hours you are doing it's labor intensive you're lifting patients you're turning patients you're dealing with all kinds of grouchy grumpy people it burns you out after some time so uh, you know, going further in my studies was just for me to be able to explore different fields and not be confined in one place where I'm like, okay, I'm going to work here for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to be able to spread myself and just create more opportunities for me, uh, you know, to be able to provide for my family, but to work smart. Yes. So what <laughs> does your job look like now? Well, right now I'm working as a, a family nurse practitioner, but I am everywhere <laughs> and I'm still kind of trying to get my feel of exactly where mm -hmm. I eventually want to do. Because when I was a nurse, I worked for like 10 years, almost 10 years. Hold on. Eight, eight years. I, I almost, uh, yeah, eight years, eight years, almost going to nine years in a labor and delivery floor. And it was good. But you know what? It was just so limited. It was, you know, I... I after some time, it gets so redundant. It's like you're doing something without thinking. You know, it becomes so routine. So that's why I decided to go and do my FNP and get my DNP. So right now, I'm working uh, in a wound, uh, wound care specialty mm -hmm. as a wound care nurse practitioner a specialist. And I am also working uh, 
on a, I'm working in a family practice uh, <laughs> uh, job also. So my week actually is, I have two days where I work as a wound care specialist, wound care nurse practitioner. And then I have two days where I work as a family nurse practitioner. And then I have a day where I work as a, uh, a weight loss clinic nurse practitioner. So <laughs> I put on three, <laughs> on Tuesdays, I put on a, a different hat and I go and do <laughs> Wow. I love just how versatile you are. I just yeah. love it so much. And I think it just, it brings excitement to your job because you're not doing the exact same thing all the time. Whereas I'm the kind yeah. of person who would rather do the same thing all the time, like similar thing all the time. That's why I'm right. specializing. But I know people right. who just love that variety. And I love that. Right. And I think I'm one of those people too. It's just that right now I'm still trying to, the reason I'm like going into all this, fitting myself into all these spaces as a, as a nurse practitioner, you know, because yeah. I, I have been a nurse practitioner uh, for going to three years now. So is to find out where, find a specialty that I would enjoy doing, you know, every day without it being so, you know, I, you know, so I'm trying to kind of find that place where I'm like, okay, I can do this for the next 10 years or I can do this for the next, you know, who knows how many years. So I'm kind of spreading myself, but eventually I will find one where I will finally settle, you know, cause we're getting old, you know, you don't want to be running all over the place. <laughs> Well, that's what you do for like your work work, but you also have a side hustle, your business. Tell me a little yeah. bit about your business and how do you find time to integrate it into your already very busy life? Okay, so my business also is uh, health and wellness mm -hmm. and I sell health products, basically, you know, natural health products that aid or that help people uh, either lose weight or gain weight, uh, detox, you know, uh, take these supplements that will help just to strengthen the immune system. So it's a variety of things. And so it is, it is a very easy side hustle for me because it's something that I'm very passionate about, something it's, which I believe I do every single day, even in my job, you know, where I, I teach uh, all my patients how to take care of themselves, how to be active, how to, you know, lose weight and do all these kind of things. So it's just an extension of what I'm already doing. It doesn't seem uh, like a hustle. It doesn't seem like an extra business on the side. Mm -hmm. Not really, because I can do it anywhere, uh, you know, because it's basically on my phone. I can be talking to somebody, and you know, just casually. And then in the middle of that conversation, I'm like, hey, have you been taking your vitamins? What exactly do you take? Like, you know, I have a, I have a vitamin that I would love to, you know, for you to try. Would you like to try? So these are the kind of conversations that I have. And it's not, it doesn't seem like, it doesn't seem like a business, but well, it is a business and I love it. <laughs> well, you, so with your wellness, as, as long as I have known you, you've never been overweight. Have you mm -hmm. noticed weight gain as you have gotten older, like when you were getting into your 40s? Um, uh -huh. and how do you help women with weight loss when you've never really experienced having to deal with losing weight? Right. Yes. Um, yes. For me, uh, you know, I, yes, I definitely have not. The only time I gain weight is when, I, when I'm pregnant. 
and I gain a lot of weight, you know, but it comes off naturally. But uh, you're right. When you get to your 40s, for some reason, your metabolism seems to kind of slow down or even eventually stop. So, (laughs) (laughs) right. So, uh, and just your energy levels are just not where they were like, you know, maybe 10 years back or in your 20s. Everything is just a drag, you know, and so... And your hormone levels are also all over the place. You know, you find that some people, some women start to break out, you know, things that they left over there in, in, in their teenage years. So it's just a whole lot of stuff going on. So, however, for those of us that really don't seem to have a, a, a hard time with uh, gaining weight or whatever, it does, it's, it's easy for us to think that we can eat which, however, yeah. whenever, and just sit and not do anything. You know what I mean? It's very easy for us to do that. But internally, you feel that you feel the effects. Like you wake up, you're just so you're just like dragging yourself, and that's your body trying to tell you something. Like you know what? You need to start working out. You need to start eating healthier. Don't just eat anything just because you think you're skinny. You can eat anything. So that was a realization for me, and that's why uh, also one of the driving forces. Uh, when I actually uh, got together with these, you know, with the women that uh, way we do like fitness and, mm-hmm. you know, educate each other on healthy eating and stuff like that. Because there's a tendency to think that you are in this select group of people that, that look good, that don't gain weight, you know, and you're walking out, you're walking around and looking at people like, yeah, you know, you need to lose weight. <laughs> but inside, you don't even know what's going on. So the little you can do really is to at least you know eat healthy exercise put in a little bit of exercise you know and know that you you can actually do it regardless of how old no matter how old you are you know yeah absolutely so how do you incorporate working out into your daily life when you are working full-time okay so we do have like a, a a whatsapp group of women that i that i that i help that i coach in a way so we have like a daily workouts that that we have to do you know the way the group is set up is in such a way that you have to do a certain number of exercises a day and show proof that you're doing it so that's the biggest thing and that is helping all of us to stay consistent so yeah. i do my workouts first thing in the morning i'm not a morning person i have to force myself to be a morning person to wake up every day i start my day uh, usually I start work at nine, but I wake up at seven o'clock just to make sure that I get my 30 minutes of exercise. Cause usually our workouts are like maybe 30 minutes, 45 minutes, mm-hmm. depending on what they are. So I, I've had to, I have my phone set for, um, my alarms to go off at seven in the morning every day, you know, <laughs> and then I do my devotion and do my personal development every day and then go do my, uh, my workouts before I go to work. So what does wellness mean to you? Um, wellness to me means um, being healthy from the inside, outside, mentally, emotionally. Mm-hmm. It is not just physical. It, is, it has so many layers. Yes. You know, you cannot just be healthy physically looking good and your mental state is crazy, you know, or your emotional state is not balanced. So wellness is a complete package. And that package needs to be taken care of. Each, 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 each layer needs to be taken care of. Yes. <laughs> wow. I love that. So tell me about conquering your fears. 
how do you conquer your fears? Ooh. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, that, that's, a, that's a tricky one, which I don't know if I have an answer to, but I can try to answer it. You know, fear is, is one thing that cripples us. Like everybody, we are crippled by fear of the unknown and fear of what we already know. So yeah. the, on, the only way I would think helps to at least get used to the fear is to be able to face it and accept it, you know, face it and accept this fear and say, yeah, here you are, fear, I'm scared of you because of A, B, C, D, because mm -hmm. of A, B, C, D, accept it, acceptance of it, and then find ways of confronting it in mm -hmm. ways, in, in biteable, you know, in bite-sized yeah. chunks, yeah. you know. Okay, today I think I can face a little bit of this, but you know, you wake up tomorrow, you're like, okay, today the way my day is set up right now, I don't even think I have the energy to confront this fear. But accepting it, realizing it and accepting it and, you know, trying to tackle it in ways that you can manage, knowing that it is not going to be gone overnight, it's going to take a while for you, I think is one way that, you know, helps us, may help me or may help somebody to be able to conquer and to find you know to realize this thing because fear is going to be there yeah in one way or the other you conquer this one thing and something else comes up you know what yeah. i mean so we gotta have a way to uh to manage how we move forward with all these kind of different fears that come <laughs> and i think it's one of those things where we people sometimes look at other people and they think they don't have fear like they, they mm -hmm. experience fear and don't realize that people who seem like they're fearless have a lot of fear like the rest of us, but it's just mm -hmm. they are willing to do it even if they are afraid. Right. Yes. Yes. And another thing though is I think the way, the way a lot of us were raised, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm talking about our African culture, our Zimbabwean culture, our Adventist culture, we were raised in such a way as to never confront things which, are, which we are uncomfortable with, yeah. things that cause a lot of discomfort in us. We were, we were not raised like that. We were raised to just pray. If you're an Adventist, yeah. pray, pray, you know, God will take care of it. And not to undermine that factor. No, that's right. a powerful thing that we definitely need to have. But um prayer is a one part of it what are you praying for if you don't know what you're praying for you know what i'm saying like you gotta be able to name it yes call it by name right yes. and say how it affects you i'm scared of a b c d i'm scared of what this thing is doing in my life or i'm scared to go through a divorce because i don't want to be by myself that's right. another that's another side of fear yeah but do we say do we do we outrightly speak about these things no. Do we outrightly say, you know what, yeah, especially for those, and I can speak about divorce because I'm a divorced woman and I went through that. Right. So it's something, it's, a, it's, it's a, such a, a fearful place to be in and it's such a, an untalked about subject yep. that people kind of tiptoe around you. They really don't want to talk, but they talk about you. Yeah. They, they're not talking to uh. you. <laughs> You see what I mean? So yep. it's, yeah. So it's, it's such an isolate, it's a, such an isolated event in your life and there's so much isolation there. So it's very scary for people, for people that go through such situations in life. 
You know what I mean? So it's scary. It's hard for me to tell you and say, you know what? I'm so scared. I'm so scared to go through this. I'm so scared of what am I going to do? How am I going to provide for my children? How am I going to take care of my son? You know what I mean? Like for me, there's so many things that, that are scary, that have been scary in my life. And so it's just like, okay, if I don't confront this thing, if I don't look at it and really say it out, you know, because speaking about something gives you a certain level of confidence when you actually face it. You know what I'm talking about? It gives you a certain level of, okay, now I've talked about this thing. Now I am open to anything that may come up. I don't know if I'm making any sense. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, and I like how you touch on your experience with divorce because in our culture, and especially being a Seventh-day Adventist, divorce is like taboo, you know? Mm. And mm. even in this mm. day and age, it's still a topic that people just tiptoe around. Mm-hmm. It's, it's such a lonely place because a lot of times people, and I see a lot of women who come to me and they say, I admire your courage to, to live an, unhealth, an unhealthy and unhappy marriage. And they'll, mm-hmm. they'll say, well, what's, what's going on with you? Like, you know, and then in sharing their stories, what I realize is they are afraid to leave, not only because of the fear of the unknown, but because mm-hmm. of, the fear of what, the, what society is going to say, what are yeah. people going to say about me? People are going right. to look at me differently. They are, yeah. they are afraid of, um, of just the, the stigma that's associated with being a divorcee. Right, right. Yes, a big one. For reasons like that. Big one. And especially if you're a woman, society is very, is not, is not kind to women who are divorced. It doesn't matter whether the woman was wrong or not. The Mm. woman may be wronged or (laughs) society doesn't care. The fact that you're a divorced woman, uh, they look at you funny. They look at you as if you're a failure. The other women in your life are quick to blame you and say, you could have done something right. without any knowledge of exactly what happened. They, they, you are held responsible for keeping a marriage together, for keeping yes. a home together, because it is cultural. In my, in my language, we have a saying, we say, I don't know if it's a saying or it's just people who like to say, you know, it's a common phrase where they say, yeah. meaning, yes, meaning a, a home is a, is a woman, like, a, yeah. So it's such a taboo and it's like, what? You don't have a husband, you know? Oh gosh, it's such a stigma. The other women start to look at you funny. They start to get uncomfortable around their, you being around their husbands. Cause yeah. they think. Even <laughs> in church, the church wants to look at you yes. funny. That's exactly what I'm talking about. They look at you. What are you talking about? He just said hello. It's not like I'm trying to take your husband. Yes, you, yes, you become a threat. You know, people don't, you don't, don't dare smile at somebody's husband because they'll look at you. <laughs> yeah, so amen. It's funny, but it's true. Oh my gosh. You talk a little yeah. bit about, um, about, look at, about failure because that's yeah. one thing, you know, it's like, especially being such a high achiever you mm-hmm. always done very well in school you've always done very well in life and then you get mm-hmm. into this very important relationship in your life and you end up getting a divorce getting divorced yeah. and it's like a huge failure it feels like a yes. huge failure 
So how do you right. deal with failure? Oh, I think in the same way as I deal with, you know, with, uh, with fear, mm -hmm. anything that, anything that troubles your soul, you know, anything that uh, deviates from the standard norm of your life that's been defined by some people way back before we were born, you know, because these are standards that was defined, that was set forth by people, you know, you got to, you have to go to school, you have to get married, you have to have kids and that's it, your life is done, right? Yep. So, yeah, so whenever you deviate from that and, you know, you find yourself in a failing situation and, you know, it's the same way, I think, as the way I would deal with fear is the way I would deal with pain, you know, being able to face this thing and accept that, yes, gosh, I have failed, I have failed, I failed at this thing, I tried. And with anything in life, you know, like I always say, even with divorce, even with any relationship, you, when you come out of any relationship, you want to come out of it knowing you gave it your best shot. Yes. You know, you have, a, you have your conversation with yourself and say, you know what, I'm ready to call it quits here because I did A, B, C, D within my capabilities, within mm -hmm. my strength, within everything that I could possibly do so that when you come out there, you are uh, you don't feel as if later on 10 years later you're like you know what gosh i wish i did this i you know i wish i did this so as long as your conscience is clear in that aspect and you look at this failure but deep down you're talking to yourself you're like you know yeah i failed but i failed after i really put my whole my best shot in this thing so confront this failure confront this pain and go through it, go through the feeling of failure, you know, that feeling of whether it's embarrassment, whether it's shame, mm -hmm. go through it, allow yourself to feel it, but it's not going to last forever. You know, after you have really felt those intense emotions, you move, you get up and later on you're able to think. It's like when you're dealing with trauma, you yeah. know how some people go through trauma and they completely block it. Yeah, because they don't want to deal with it, whether whatever feelings that are associated with that, and they put it right in the back of their mind, whether willingly or unwilling. You know how sometimes you go through a traumatic experience, and for some reason you kind of your your mind just blocks it, right? And you go through life, and then years later, you know you are like, goodness gracious, these things start to come out because it's there. It's not that you know it's it's gone forever, but you never got a chance to what to really confront this thing and actually deal with it. Because it's life, we're gonna go through these things. Yeah. We're gonna go through, this is life. You know what I mean? This is life, like you will go down, but you don't stay down. You go down and you feel the pain for a moment and then you get up and you go, you move on. And then you go through some good, good periods. One, yeah. one day again, something will hit you and you go down again. So it's a test of life. Yeah. You know. And life is, is like that. Everybody goes through suffering. It's just that a lot of times we don't see other people suffering and we just think right. we're the only ones who are experiencing suffering. Absolutely. And understanding exactly. that this is, this is just life. This is what life is. Exactly. It just comes in yes. different forms for all of us. Yes, yes, absolutely. True. So take me back to, to wellness. Um, how, <clears throat> if you were to give someone tips on losing weight is mm -hmm. probably a woman because we know that men generally can lose weight very easily <laughs> compared to women women oh my gosh especially midsection weight it, it oh gosh time and effort. <laughs> so what what tips do you have for those 
women who are really working hard and just want to lose weight? Okay. So uh, tips for all women, you know, whether those that are already doing something with their weight or those that, are, that haven't started anything, uh, any journey at all is you have to, you have to, your mindset has to be in that. You, yeah. You have to have the proper mindset of what you're planning to do. You have to have goals, you know, what are your goals? Write them down and without, you know, writing down goals helps you to, it helps you to, you know, to tackle them in, 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 in stages, you know, and have realistic goals. So let's say you're planning to, you're, you're like a typical woman, you know, you've had your babies, whether you're at three or four, and you're done having babies now, but you have this weight, you know, that just will not go away. Try what, you know, so now you have to sit down and write your goals. Okay, I want to lose 50 pounds. I want to lose 50 pounds in, in, by the end of whenever. Make realistic goals. Don't say I want to lose 50 pounds in a month. <laughs> you know what I mean? When, when it took you years to get there. So make realistic goals. You already know your body. You already know how your body loses and how, you know. So make realistic goals, write them down, and then take steps. You know, you're gonna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change my diet this way. Find somebody to help you uh, map out a diet plan. If you, already, if you have somebody, go online. There's so many resources nowadays. I mean, the internet is so full. But sometimes I know it can be overwhelming. Uh, you know, because everybody's a, everybody's a professional nowadays on the internet. You go on Dr. Google, the men, they will tell you this and that until you're so, <laughs> until you're so overwhelmed, you know, find somebody. But I'm always open, like I always say, I work with a group of women now. And so I'm always, always open to help anybody who's struggling with, and, you know, just mapping out a, a weight loss plan so anybody can approach me. And, you know, we can work together on, okay, try this, try, uh, you know, let's do a, a workout plan. Let's do a diet plan. Let's do intermittent fasting. I don't play when it comes to intermittent fasting. I recommend everybody needs to do intermittent fasting, whether you're skinny or you're, you know, everybody needs to do it. People need to stop eating every second. It's not okay. It is not okay. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I know. I love my food. What can I say? <laughs> we all do. We all do. <laughs> so tell me a little more about intermittent fasting. Like what do you recommend for someone who's starting out and what, what do you do? So intermittent fasting, first of all, people need to understand that intermittent fasting is not fasting, fasting. We already know about fasting, especially if you're in the Christian era, you know, uh, crowd, you know, fasting is, you know, you stay a long time without eating. So now if you do intermittent fasting for weight loss, you've got to, you have to understand why, why you're doing it. Don't just do it because it will feel like starvation. If you just say, I'm going to go for a long time without eating, <laughs> It will feel as if it's starvation and your mind will tell you you're starving to death. And so it's not going to work. So intermittent fasting works, you know, you want to give your, your body time to, uh, to get into its reserves of fat and basically start burning that. But if you're constantly eating, eating, your body never even gets to get to the stored fat in order for it to burn those calories. So basically, intermittent fasting is to allow your body to get you into that ketosis state. You know what I'm talking about, where it's using up the fat. 
But if you're eating, 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 the body's like, you know, forget it. I'm just going to keep storing this food because who knows, anytime it's like preparing the body for a drought season. Yeah. So any realistic uh, fast, honestly, is I, I would recommend people to start with uh, maybe an eight-hour fast, which is very doable for somebody. Do, you know, you stop eating at like eight o'clock at night, for instance, you know what I mean? And wake up in the morning at six o'clock. Try to incorporate some exercise before you start eating again so that at least because your body has gone for a very long time without eating and so your body can at least go into the stored reserves and kind of burn some fat. And then as you get comfortable with it, you know, kind of stretch it a little bit, push it to 10 hours and then push it to 12, push it to 15, 16. You know what I mean? It's very much doable. And with time, your body will get used to it. You will not feel as if you're starving. You're not you won't even feel hungry. You can only eat for like six hours a day and be okay and still be okay. Not feel as if you're dying. And this is not just for people that are trying to lose weight. This is just even for people like us because, you know, studies do show that uh, when, 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 you know, during that fasting stage, you know, your body produces certain hormones that are very helpful, you know, uh, helpful for, uh, for burning fat and for stabilizing your insulin levels and, uh, and stuff like that. So yeah, there's so much benefits to, in, uh, to intermittent fasting, but people have to be knowledgeable about it and you got to know why you're doing it and what your goals are. So you grew up, um, your mom died when you were young. Mm -hmm. How did that shape your life as a woman and how what advice would you give to to those women who end up in that situation where they have a baby or a young child who's just lost their mom and they're the ones now taking care of their child looking at your right. own experience what advice would you give to them right um yeah so you know growing up without a mom is 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 just one thing that i think it's it's very tough it's very tough for, and for me uh you know just the way our society, our African society, our Zimbabwean communities is, is, is shaped. You know, you lose a mom as a baby, your, either your grandmother is going to raise, which, which is what happened to me. My grandmother, my grandparents raised me, and I basically grew up with my aunties. You know, I, to me, they felt like they were my big sisters, but they were really my aunties. And so it was just like this whole big extended family. I was growing up either with my grandmother my aunties and eventually my uncle uh, that, you know, who took me when I was a little bit old, all the way up until I was in college. So it's a lonely space because mm -hmm. there is no direct responsibility. Like nobody feels responsible. I mean, yes, there is so much care and love around you, but there is no direct responsibility for this child as in, okay, I have to make sure that this child gets to this point. You know what I mean? It just feels like, this is something we have to do. This child has to go to school. This child has to get an education at some point. But there is no direct serious investment in this child. You know what I mean? Because these are families who have their own children as well, who are trying to see them get somewhere. So you are not going to take a priority in this family's life. You are going to be a part of the family. You know what I mean? You will be given food. You'll be given clothes. You'll be given aid. This, but you will still feel that gap like, oh gosh, you know, uh, I wish really that I was like a number one priority. So it's there. 
And so I know I speak for a lot of, you know, kids that grew up in this kind of scenario. It's so hard for me to tell anybody, uh, you know, who ends up having a child, maybe that maybe they lose their mom and then you become their main, you know, like the, the parents to this child. All I can say is, you know, have as much compassion as you can. And yeah, it's, it's, yeah, just, you know, cause that's what this child needs. You know what I mean? You don't know. And then too, in our culture, here's the thing, growing up, um, when you, there is so much, what is it? How can I describe this? There's so much secrecy. I don't know if people, if uh, adults are trying to protect you from pain, but people hardly talk about pain, you know, because I know when I was growing up, like, okay, nobody wanted to talk about my mom. The fact that I lost my mom when I was, you know, it was kind of like a hush hush situation. Oh, you know, this child who lost her mom when she was a baby. And so it was just like, you know, it was, (laughs) I didn't understand it. So, but I think it was coming from a good place as in, oh, we don't want to cause further pain. Not knowing that I want to hear about my mom. I want to hear what kind of a person she was. I want to hear what she liked. I want to know if I have the same characteristics. I mean, later on, my aunties would tell me like, these are my direct siblings to my mom who would say, oh, you're you're just like your mom. Your mother used to do this. Your mother used to laugh. Your mother was so compassionate and stuff like that. But it was almost like a hush, hush, like, oh, you know, talk, right and but it's it's in our society it's in our culture you know what i mean so important to you know to talk about it to talk about about the pain especially growing child to also understand that your your their mom is not forgotten you know exactly yes but african culture is very secretive in so many so many things yeah. Uh, pain, sex, all of these things. They don't want, our culture doesn't want to talk about anything except nope. God, except Jesus. You know, <laughs> that's the, <laughs> it's the truth. That's the only person that we probably talk about, but other things we don't talk about. <laughs> well, you know, you brought the part with the topic of sex. So, what conversations have you had with your daughters about sex? <laughs> I'm telling you. So, Man, I, you know, from an early age, I, uh, I'm walking to turn off the stove. From an early age, my daughters, I've, I've tried to really, um, I've tried to be transparent, but you know what? Mm-hmm. These issues, especially if you grow up in a, in a culture like ours, where even for me right now, it's not such an easy thing to, I've had to come out, really slowly come out of my shell for the benefit of my daughters and for the children that I'm raising so that they can freely talk about these things. But I can tell you, I mean, I'll be lying to you if I told you that ah, it was such an easy thing. I talked to my children about sex and no, I, that's a lie. Uh, it's something that is continually uh, going on right now. Uh, but I, I, I think my first time, the first time I actually introduced any kind of sexual sexuality uh talk in my kids was when my daughter was about to have her period mm-hmm. when she was like maybe nine ten when I was starting to see signs you know and I was like gosh how do I even start talking to her about periods and what happens now when you know so what I did was I bought a book from Amazon yeah <laughs> that's what the, yeah and I gave it to her and in, in this book <laughs> 
there were sections. It was mainly about puberty. And then there were sections that really talked about sex. Guess what I did? I stapled those sections together and I said, I want you to read everything else except these, but I will talk about these later on. Because I was like, goodness, what am I, how, how do I even, how do I even explain this? How do I explain periods and then sex? So let me, let me take these things in, in, in you know, in stages. So it wasn't easy, you know, it wasn't easy. So now we are still talking because, you know, I have teenage daughters yeah. who are starting to, you know, date and listen, you know, we have to just do our part, our due diligence as parents, you know, as mothers to educate our kids. I mean, but nowadays our kids are so enlightened yes. that, you know, we still, we still have to do our part as well. So I, it's an ongoing story, the sexuality part, we're talking it about it here and there but it's not as it's not as uh, healthy as it was when i started i think the more you talk about it the more they also ask questions and yeah. then you start to explain you know <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I had it easy because you know being a teen mom it was like forefront on my on my radar like i do not want any of my kids to be teenage parents <laughs> so, yes, i can i can't even imagine so young <laughs> when they were so young like they were just yes. i mean my daughter there's a point when she'll be like mom i'm not like you okay it's okay i'm not like oh you. yes, like, oh, yes. My God. yeah same <laughs> it's hard um i have a friend who actually wrote a book and she used to do, I don't know if she still does them, but she used to do these puberty parties where the mm. kids that get, get to a certain age, pre-puberty would get together and have a party where they get a PowerPoint presentation about things because okay. we're having a hard time, you know, engaging yeah. in conversation. So they would just yeah. have like a, a little party where they would have 10 or 12 girls come together with their parents, with their moms. And okay. These PowerPoint presentations. They'd have pizza, cake, and it would be like a little party. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah that's like, that's that's a good that's a good icebreaker. Yeah, <laughs> open environment to discuss this. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, I will not let you finish the podcast without telling me about two people, dead or alive, uh -huh. that you would want to chat with, have dinner with, and just learn from. Okay. All right. So, uh, yes, definitely. Uh, I, Oprah is one person that just, I, she's one woman that I just look at and I just admire her, her work ethic and just what she stands for. You know, she stands for empowering people, women, men, you know, the less privileged. And so I, I want to be Oprah. I want to be like her, you know, seriously, like she has such a, a serious work ethic and she has done so much you know that wow she's just amazing so i like i like her where she is and i like what she did despite her history you know she had a, a very traumatic childhood and so but she was able to come out of that and you know make something of herself so i admire i would love to be in her presence i would love to one day sit and just listen to her and ask some questions you know what I mean yes. and yeah I would love to be just in her presence and get her energy you know energy is something else you know you you are in somebody's presence and they just you know they, it just kind of rubs off of you so I would love to be in her surrounding I don't know if I would even talk to her but 
you know what even if she's there i'm like i need that energy so yeah so oprah is one person and then of course i like trevor noah because trevor noah is so funny he's a comedian he's he i identify you know with him so much because he's from africa he tells some stories even on the daily show he always likes he's so proud of who he is and where he comes from he is so proud of his background he's not apologetic he doesn't try to come off as oh look at me now you know what i mean so i like people who are very authentic people who embrace where they are now knowing that they had to work hard like they just didn't get here by oh okay i did this but they they had to struggle at some point in time so i just love his uh, his humor his humility and what he stands for so yeah definitely i, I would those are two people that i admire wow well, thank yeah. you so much. This was wonderful as always. And I have <laughs> you're welcome. Twice, so I will not be calling you and telling you that I can't find you. <laughs> you better, you better save it somewhere because, man, if I have to do another, you would have to fly to California <laughs> and do a face to face. Absolutely. <laughs> so, where can yeah, people no. find you? And for women who want to to be part of your coaching services, where can they find you? Okay, so for, um, I'm available on Facebook, on Instagram, and I will do share, you know, my handles with you, pray. And also, uh, people can, you know, send me a direct message. They can call me. Uh, I'm pretty open, honestly speaking. Like, my, my whole idea is to help women. I know we are so busy, especially busy moms who always make excuses about, I can't even go to the gym. I can't go this. And that's where my uh you know my workout group comes in handy because we are doing all these things from the comfort of our homes nobody's going anywhere you know grab your skipping rope and spend 10 minutes skipping outside you know what 10 minutes of jump roping can do for you you know how much you can you how many calories you can burn in 10 minutes of serious jump roping you know it's just amazing like that the things queen like doing two <laughs> jump ropes in 10 minutes i mean some of us right, but, like <laughs> but honestly speaking, let me tell you, I, I was not like that. If I, if I told you that last year, this time I was not working out, I was not doing nothing. I'm not lying. I just started this year and I was just like, you know what? Yeah. Let's, and in fact, in fact, do you know the whole idea behind that WhatsApp group was, remember when I posted, I think I posted that, uh, that picture on Instagram. Mm -hmm. about like a 30-day uh yeah. ab challenge yes and you asked me you said you said so are we forming a whatsapp group or what i'm like <laughs> okay <laughs> i'm like okay i wasn't even thinking like that so you inspired that whatsapp group you know without even knowing it you know and once we yeah and once we got it started it was just like people didn't want to stop because they were like this is so much fun we have a whole community there, man. It's just so amazing. So recently, I started the WhatsApp. You have to, you have to get me, get me back in when the next session starts. Absolutely, yes. And I always say that you know what? Sometimes people are so busy during a certain time, and it's okay to take a break. Come back in when you have time. You know what I mean? Because we we are so busy. We're busy moms. You know, something can come up. But when you come in that group, you have to be ready to work. Like you cannot slack around and say, "Oh no, 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 no." you work if you're not working you will be kicked out so i do have a facebook group as well that i started i think a month ago so those that because whatsapp can be so overwhelming sometimes yeah. 
so I I opened I started this Facebook group. It's a it's a little laid back. It's not like the WhatsApp group. WhatsApp group we're crazy out there. The WhatsApp it's very intense. yeah, the WhatsApp group is very intense. So the Facebook group is like we you know, we're growing slowly, you know, okay now we're doing junk rope this week. Next week we're doing we're learning how to do push ups. You know, it's very laid back. <laughs> so people can choose between these two groups. They can go on the Facebook and be there in that space and just get that energy from everybody else yeah. you know peer pressure is so real it when is. you see other people doing stuff you're like ah you know what let me get up and do this so yes i will and i will send that information to you for people that may be interested in um joining any of these or reaching out to me for help perfect all right thank you yes. so much. <laughs> thank you for having me thank you for having me this was so much fun